my goodness, everyone. We're back. It is time for episode three of Art Class. Welcome to our classroom, classes in session. How many times can I say class in this opening? <laughs> <laughs> I sound like Countess Luann. Class, class, class. <laughs> anyway, um, as always, I am Rocky Jones, and I'm here with my two fabulous, amazing co-hosts. First, we have the wonderful, the luminous, the always moisturized Paige Reynolds. Hello, Paige. How are you? <laughs> I am wonderful, you know, moisturized, shea buttered down, um, all of that. Thank you for asking. <laughs> You're so welcome. You're so welcome. And of course, what would we do without the amazing Dr. Lee Bynum? Hello, Dr. Lee Bynum. Hello, Canada. Canada. Well, you know, I say hello to America every week, and I don't want people to think that this is a heliocentric show. I, okay. I am here for every country, everywhere. <laughs> Happy Black History Month. It's so exciting. My favorite month of the year, I think. Mine too, Chow. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I don't know, is there anything that you all are doing in particular this year in order to celebrate or... You know, I thought about this and then I realized I was thinking a little too hard about it. And I was mm. like, you know, I I enjoy having a blackity black existence 365 all year round. And so maybe I don't need to plan anything special, but just really enjoy everybody else <laughs> giving black people their accolades it's the, it's the one time of the year that you know people act like they actually know what it is so maybe i'll just maybe i'll just enjoy that um but yeah as for me myself in this household black 365 so mm. i don't know if anything special will happen mm, all right <laughs> I, like Paige, love to bask in the glow of, you know, other people for once acknowledging, hey, did you know that this <laughs> random thing happened or this random Black person did this thing? I'm like, yes, I I absolutely know. And I am so glad that it's February so that you can know it too. Yes. And I've been trying to tell you for trying. years. <laughs> <laughs> why we've been doing this show for <laughs> 65 episodes. <laughs> yes, it is nice though for one month of the year not to be the only person walking around reciting random things from Black history. I actually do really, really appreciate that other people get in on the act at least this month. Mm. <laughs> well, I guess I was a little bit surprised because, you know, I feel like this is the time of year that especially as Black artists, we are asked to do so many things, asked mm. to like mm. present asked to perform, asked to, and, you know, and it's lovely. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. You know, this is the time of year that people want to hear from us, want to see what we've created, want to um, figure out the next thing that they can steal. What? <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a time of... Also, I mean, especially there's an extra day this year, child. So mm -hmm. this, you know, mm -hmm. it's very easy to, you know, 
become overextended. So I'm glad to hear that that's not happening for either one of you. <laughs> not <For> at all. <laughs> boundaries, boundaries are uh, a thing that, you know, I feel like I'm getting better at, like solidly better at, at this time in my life. And there's a particular way that people demand or expect labor from black folks and especially around things that we care about you know mm. it's like black history month black history black culture like you love black history and culture don't you you love being black so about it and a lot of the time you feel like it should be it's the right thing to do right yeah. right right mm. it's so but important. sometimes it's so important it's so important <laughs> But I think I've realized like really centering black folks can sometimes look like me centering my rest mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and centering things that actually fill me up and rejuvenate me and allow me to do the real work that I know I'm here to do. You know, you know, yeah. I was thinking about it the, the other day because, you know, we had been sort of banding about ideas about, you know, what to talk about at the top of the show. And we were thinking about self-care and I was like, you know who has like such good boundaries is Paige. You know, Paige, do you want to do this? No. <laughs> Paige, when can you do this? I can do this on Monday and Wednesday between two and four o'clock. And that's when <laughs> No, I will be traveling. No, I will be resting. <laughs> and I was just like, man, if I had boundaries like Paige, I'd be like a superhero <laughs> like how do you do that in the face of like so much pressure to like not have boundaries true that's a great question honestly i learned the hard way from what happened when i didn't have boundaries mm. like i have I have worked to the point of being sick before mm. or being like so tired that I, you know, take on additional illnesses because my body is just like I don't have enough fuel and rest or I'm super stressed out um, and anxious. And, you know, that causes all kinds of things to go wrong with the body. I don't think we talk enough about how stress is the root for so much disease, especially oh the main gosh. diseases that Black yeah. folks tend to get more than others. Hypertension, Stress is heart the disease, mm-hmm. yep. Um, yep. so on and so forth. It's All probably also worth getting into a little bit the, that there are broader, the, the broader systemic issues that we talked about on the show for the last two weeks also have a huge bearing on the mental health of Black people and what mm-hmm. we're you know, thinking about aren't just like racism as like a a weird, you know, sort of force that no one can really describe in any kind of useful way. We're actually talking about differentials in mass incarceration and drug enforcement laws. We're talking about also the the ways that the actual classification systems and epidemiological data sets are are <laughs> actually problematic themselves in terms of the ways that we categorize information about black communities and then so many of the other historical pieces um, that go to poverty rates education rates um, all of those kinds of things actually have 
a huge impact on mental health in the Black community. And I think a lot of times we talk about it in terms of like these cultural pieces, you know, Black people don't like talking to therapists, but there are actually reasons that are well beyond that, that have nothing to do with that, that are making differentials in the first place. And I think it's important that we talk about them and that we also talk about them all year. As our dear friend in Kiru Okoye likes to say, I'm Black all year, not just in February, right? Mm -hmm. And I think these these pieces of the things that are, are shaping and, and limiting how Black people participate in the country are things that probably should be brought up with a greater level of regularity if we're going to be able to find some solutions to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what do you do, Lee, in the face of all of that <laughs> stuff to, to keep your sanity intact <laughs> as much as... As much as is humanly possible. Thank you for saying it. 2020. <laughs> I have a firm belief in incentivizing activities for myself. Hmm. Um, so the way I think about it is when I have to do like, let's say six things that I determine to be complicated over the course of a week, I give myself six treats. Hmm. Um, I'd like to treat myself nicely, right? And I used to have this really big thing in my head about um, sort of like, you know, deferred gratification. And then I started to realize why not treat myself the same way that you treat your pet? Your your cat does something cute. Oh, I like that. Let me give you okay. a treat. I do it with me. <laughs> it's like, whoa, you had nine Zoom meetings today. You deserve to go to bed two hours early. And it actually really does make a difference in my head because I don't feel like it's just like, pure drudgery. Like I, I actually feel like I can identify the the high point in my week because I, I put them in there throughout the week, little things that I know are going to make me feel good, um, even if they're frivolous. And that makes a, a huge difference for me. Mm, I love that. You know, and oh, actually it's funny because Dennis and I had a conversation many years ago where we were in, oh, my husband, by the way, for <laughs> who doesn't know who Dennis is? <laughs> we had a conversation. We were going through sort of a, a not great period. And I was like, you know, what if we were as nice to each other as we are to the cat? Mm. <laughs> and it was like, hmm. <laughs> all right. All right. And that seemed to light up a light bulb, I guess. <laughs> for everyone. I, I like that. I might have yeah. to apply that to my own I mean, interactions with people. I'm just saying, not that like I need scratches on my chin or anything, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the general, the general idea. <laughs> I, I've also heard about like in with self-care comes community care also, mm, yes. you know, like, and I think, I don't know what you just talked about, Rocky, with you and Dennis is a good example of that, like how just another person or group of people, that's often how we, part of how we actually care for ourselves in more sustainable ways. So are there parts of like either of y'all's practice that are, or self-care routine that is more community care or that involves other people? I know I regularly like remind myself to just call my friends 
mm-hmm. leave a voice message, you know? And a lot of the time, the response, even if it's a short one or, you know, we have to have a quick check-in, it lifts my mood like dramatically. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's part of what community care looks like and co-working, co-working times. Yeah. Big community care thing for getting projects done and getting stuff out of my head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of mine is is also wrapped up in the idea of just connecting with people. A lot of the mm-hmm. work that we do, um, I think just kind of if you have any kind of administrative job post the pandemic is going to be spent in some kind of solitary space yeah. on a Zoom screen. So I really do try to make sure at least once a week I am having some kind of community space with people who are friends. They may also be people who share some professional affiliations, but even in those instances, it's like, no, we're here together so that we cannot talk about work or so that we can do something <laughs> that all of us agree is completely stupid, but is great. Like just kind of being shaken out of the routine sometimes is a really wonderful thing. And, you know, I'm a little bit of a workaholic and I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So putting myself in some kind of place where the actual goal is to do something completely pointless is so helpful for me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think part of my practice, it's it's interesting um, because it started out as something that was just for me and kind of turned into a community where I, I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. it. So, you know, one thing that I am have been really into um, since the pandemic, you know, I was, you know, theater nerd growing up and have terrible hand-eye coordination. So sports were never really my thing. It's true. And why I can't drop my ADHD? It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> um, often self-care, quote unquote, was sort of, you know, me just sort of kind of beating myself up in ways, um, you know, like coming home after a long day and just like chugging a bottle of wine, um, you know, zoning out, doom scrolling, all of those things. And like, I thought that was self-care, um, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's super not just, just <laughs> by the way. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I started, you know, therapy in earnest and that was really helpful and being able to, you know, sit down and talk with someone. Um, and then I started to, you know, really kind of feel the effects of all of that during the pandemic. And it was just like, my body doesn't feel good. Like, what can I do to like help my body feel good? And so that has turned into a pretty regular gym routine um, where I go three or four times a week. And I found this little sort of hole in the wall gym um, (laughs) by my house. I started working with a trainer and started to really, really get into it and really start to just really just feel better and feel much more, you know, just limber and flexible and strong and all of those things if you're ever interested in seeing thoughty pictures of me on the internet <laughs> follow my instagram <laughs> rocky jones picture show um <laughs> but what has happened though is like this this little gym that i didn't even know was 10 minutes away from my house has started to become like a little community for me and i go in and like there are all these really lovely people that work out at the same time there are a bunch of queer folks there are a bunch of folks of color like i had no 
idea that this place existed. <laughs> and now, like, a lot of these people have become, like, genuine friends of mine. And it's so nice to be able to go and, like, lift some weights and, you know, get support and then have, like, a nice conversation and then think about, like, oh, like, you know, you know, one of them invited me on vacation with them, you know, this summer. You know, it's it's just, you know, I I didn't realize that, you know, the gym could also be sort of like a place to like lift each other up. Um, you know, I I I guess I always thought of it as like, you know, big meatheads walking around and being like, <laughs> do you what kind of protein do you drink, bro? And, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then that's turned into a yoga practice and turned into, you know, just all sorts of mindfulness and also having, you know, my therapist in my life. Well, actually, he just retired in December, so I'm looking for a new one. So if anybody knows, um, especially a queer Black therapist somewhere that I could see, that would be amazing. But um, it's just really completely changed my outlook and changed my life. Um, you know, I don't know if, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have had the confidence to even, you know, be here in this space with the three of you and, you know, speaking my mind and, you know, talking about my emotions and all of these things. Um, so it's it's really just uh, become just a, a really beautiful Thing. I don't did that answer your question Aww. I kind of went off on the <laughs> I mean it did it did and it's connecting other dots in my mind like how you were talking about certain things that you thought were self-care that were actually self-destructive mm -hmm. I also think about buying things not being self-care necessarily yeah, <laughs> that, is one one. that is a tough one that is a tough one I I try to be super conscious of that because I just personally, politically, like I strongly believe that a lot of the troubles we're facing in the first place and, you know, the the disconnection and sadness and also just lack of resources among Black folks has to do with the individualism and capitalism. And so I have to remind myself that like buying things doesn't fix it. Mm -hmm. It can feel good in a temporary moment. Don't don't get me wrong. Sometimes sometimes buying yourself your favorite meal can be the thing. And that's wonderful. But I try to remember that, you know, like the long-term, more sustainable remedy comes from the community care mm -hmm. and finding more connection and people helping each other to meet get resources too. like self-care our individual work is so important because it impacts how we show up in community and for others and at the same time like these huge systemic issues especially like what lee was talking about <laughs> aren't solved by like our individual our individual problems and i try to i try to keep note of that my work as a doula really illuminates mm. that or yeah birth worker rather i'm trying to i'm trying to get away from using doula y'all just because of the huh? origin of the word so please help me what is <laughs> in case the, you the don't origin know of the word yeah so doula actually originally referred to like a female slave or birth attendant oh. like someone yeah yeah <laughs> okay. that is i did not know yep. that Yep, yep, yep. I mean, it is something that we have recycled now, but it is originally a Greek, uh, comes from ancient Greek. 
and means like, yeah, a woman who serves or something like that. Um, mm. Yeah, literally like female slave for a childbearing woman or something like that. Uh, and there are much better words in there's there's birth worker, there's birth keeper, there is there's just better words. So yeah, birth yeah. worker. Um <laughs> but the people um, you know, I see clients and like other birth workers from all types of backgrounds. And there's the self-care that I do for myself, but when I'm teaching it to them and they're also thinking about a child and finding childcare and food. And there's like very practical things that are part of their, them trying to address their self-care. I have to remember that, you know, the buying things is not, is not a solution. We're talking about trying to change the way we're in relationship to ourselves and each other, all of that. Um, so yeah. And as a doula, oh, my self-care practices came from there because you see a lot of rough mm-hmm. stuff sometimes and mm-hmm. the frustration of dealing with medical racism. If I do not care myself, I'll care for myself. I will lose it. So oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you know, Rocky, there were a couple things that you said about your own self-care practice mm-hmm. that I thought were really compelling, sort of given the ways that mental health and Black folks can be so tied to other things. So the the first thing you said was that connection to the physical activity. And Mm -hmm. I just think given the the rates of hypertension still and and diabetes, right? Like it's so important that we have a community that is actively engaged and thoughtfully engaged in thinking about their physical well-being as well. Um, and I think connecting that to community is always really helpful because nobody likes working out by themselves. And mm-hmm. then beyond that, you mentioned mindfulness. And mindfulness is something that comes up a lot in my EDI consulting practice, both on the side of folks who may find themselves as microaggressors. Um, taking that minute for mm-hmm. mindfulness is one of the number one ways that you can catch yourself before you say something that you don't need to say to someone else. And then secondly, I think those mindfulness moments can be so useful for those of us who are more accustomed to being on the receiving end of microaggressions, just in terms of placing where you are, what is happening, not letting it consume you, especially in those moments where you really do have to prioritize, I need to put this over here so that I can continue with my day. And I I definitely am a person who experiences that on a very regular basis, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that mindfulness practice, I think that's a beautiful way to connect a lot of themes around mental health. And I I hope um, folks can take time to find what theirs is, right? Because oh, I, I am someone, mm-hmm. I've tried lots of things and I really didn't feel good about myself when I couldn't yoga. It just never computed <laughs> in my head. And yep. then I found other ways that really were very resonant with my experience and with how I'd like to spend my time and with how I hate to stretch. And that actually was a much better <laughs> option for me, and I, I think there's a piece of this that's deeply individual, and I, I hope folks can prioritize figuring what, what that is for themselves. Oh, 100%, because, you know, I really struggled for a really long time with feeling like I didn't deserve mm. that. That, you know, all of the gross, horrible stuff that we have to deal with, you know, from birth essentially sort of coming at us, you know, I think like in my head, 
it was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is all like ridiculous and terrible and I'm cool and like whatever. But like you in your body, your body like collects all that trauma. You know, it's yeah. it's it's so many people have talked about it. And there's so many books, you know, and and articles and whatnot about how you are storing all of that trauma in your body and to be able to just sort of move and stretch and release or or do whatever is 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 good for you. Like you actually deserve that. You actually deserve to be the to be able to rest, to be able to breathe, to be able to dream, um, that is yours. That's your birthright, and you know, do not let anyone tell you that it's not. Um, because like, life just gets so much not easier necessarily, but yeah. a bit better when you are, like you said, just being able to take that moment for yourself. And just ground yourself and be present. And I'm here and I'm okay. <laughs> and you got me fed up. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we have a wonderful, wonderful jam packed show for you all today. First off, I'm so excited that we finally are getting to uh, share this conversation back in October. Um, the three of us, well, Paige and I, traveled to New York to meet Lee, who is in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were able to do an episode of the show live at uh, David Geffen Hall uh, as part of Lincoln Center Education's Open House, which was amazing and such an exciting event. And we're doing that again. I'm... Correct? Yes? Correct. This fall? <laughs> Correct. Mark your mark your calendars, especially you two. Um, but everybody, <laughs> everybody should mark their calendars because we're all going. We're going to see some fun stuff, and this time we're bringing um, some new friends along. So I'm super excited to have some news to share about that in the coming weeks as well. All right, so let's get started. Let's get started with the show, and we'll be yeah. right back with Jonathan McCrory live from David Geffen Hall, Lincoln Center Education Open House. We'll be right back. Woo-hoo. Well, speaking of different kinds of conversations, uh, we have a guest. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> Are we ready? Is everyone ready? ready? All right, let's do this. All right, let me get my notes, though, child, because I don't want <laughs> to miss anything. I don't want to mess up. <laughs> so Jonathan McCrory is a Tony Award and Emmy Award-nominated producer, two Obie Award-winning Harlem-based artist who has served as executive Artistic Director at National Black Theater since 2012. He has directed numerous professional productions and concerts. He's been acknowledged as an exceptional leader, additionally through Crane's New York Business 2020 notable LGBTQ leaders and executives. In 2013, he was awarded the Emerging Producer Award by the National Black Theater Festival in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and the Torchbearer Award by theatrical legend Woody King Jr. He is a founding member of the collaborative producing organizations Harlem Nine, Black Theater Commons, The Jubilee, Next Generation National Network, and the Movement Theater Company. Uh, He also sits on the National Advisory Committee for HowAround.com 
Wisdom and was a founding member of the original cohort for Art Equity. And I don't yes. think we talked about 2019 and 2018, Art just Equity. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's always nice to talk to a fellow Washingtonian. <laughs> and a, uh, uh, a graduate of the Duke Ellington School of the Arts and New York's yes, Tisch. So please. come on up, Jonathan. Come join us. We have some questions for you. Yes. Everyone give, <laughs> give them a hand. Yes. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for being here. I mean, y'all are fun. This, oh. is, this is good. This is some good Sunday energy. Oh. I, it's what I need. Stop. Thank you Stop. so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> you are that. welcome. You're so welcome. Thank you for being here and blessing us with you and being our our first guest on our new show. I mean, this is an honor. I mean, I, I was like, Sh- Shonda was like, are you ready to be the first? I was like, the first? Oh, I'm christening things. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, All right. Yes. Yes. Well, first and foremost, I have to talk about Pearly Victoria. Yes, child. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about it. I mean... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Pearly Victorious is a is a gorgeous masterpiece. So, if, if folks don't know about Pearly, I'll give you a little bit of background. Pearly Victorious was written by the giant Ozzy Davis. It was his first and last play. Um, it was produced 61 years ago on Broadway. Never had a revival, and this is the first revival of the show. Um, directed by Kenny Leon, um, starring um, uh, Leslie Odom and Kara Young, with a magnetic, beautiful cast. Um, it is happening at the Magic Box Theater and National Black Theater is one of the co-producers. So it was our second time on Broadway. It's the second time um, a black theater is actually holding the seat as co-producer. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And over, and over like That's 50 amazing. years. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot, it's a lot of watersheds happening um, and, and it's pretty, pretty quite powerful. Absolutely. We got the chance to, to see it last night and it was you know, sometimes, you know, you have a guest on and you're like, mm-hmm, that was cute. <laughs> but that, th- that experience was so beautiful and transcendent and funny. And it, it just, it moved my soul. It really did. I, I mean, what, mm-hmm. I, what, I, what I'll lean into as far as the moving of the soul is how laughter works inside of our mm-hmm. bodies, right? Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes you don't actually give the privilege of understanding the mechanism of that vibration, right? Um, like if you study laughter, laughter is the only tool that is inside, sonically inside the body that goes through all of your emotional verticals. So it actually allows for you to get close to nirvana and also allows you to get close to despair. And, with, and through the cracking of laughter, especially under this world that we currently live in, like if you're in a room where people are laughing, we are all cracking into our despair, but also cracking into our nirvana. And through all of that, allowing for us to have a different chemical reaction to what it means to have shared space. It actually allows for us to then be human with each other versus divisive. So it's actually the, the show as a mechanism with all of its um, comedic romp and all of its um, sensational, like it's actually a dangerous play. Um, when you think, when you, when you read it on paper, it's dangerous. When, when, we, when we were thinking about coming on, I, w- I was talking to Sade, Sade Lithcott, who is our CEO of MBTL. Like, uh, are we really doing this? Like, is this really the play that we're going to lean into in this current moment, knowing the society that we live under? And it was like a yes and. Because the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that Ozzie Davis, as an artist, would never write something that wasn't about healing us. So if it is dangerous and it's penmanship, the soul, the source, is full of grace and love and about us healing. So therefore, it has to be. So we have to lean into it. I want to... 
I just was struck by how feeling that laughter mm-hmm. and seeing what was happening on stage, the relevance of the story, and I felt like it was a show that my grandmother would have connected to and felt was really real and true to her experience, but also that I was feeling right here, right now in 2023. And so I wonder what it was like for you first encountering that script even. And <laughs> I know you must have been blown away. And again, that feeling of, ooh, we, we doing this? I mean, I was asking, I was asking myself, where's this other work? Like, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was saying, like, um, estate, knock, 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 give me unpublished. I need unpublished memoirs, scripts, anything. Like, give me the un- unfinished stuff because that was his first and last. Like, we don't have a, we don't, like, like you, you would think that, oh, now I can go back and read the other stuff. No. They're in a vault somewhere. It's like the Prince stuff. It's like the Lauryn Hill stuff. Like, you know, no, you, we all know Lauryn Hill is sitting on some gems right now. That we will never hear. And you know Prince, and they, like, they say, they say Prince has a, has, a, has a catalog that will take, like, 40 years to actually truly be able to understand, right? And you think about this, what does brilliance look like, right? What does healed brilliance look like? And that is what I came to understand when I saw the script. Now, now what, what, actually, what actually truly transformed me was those artists. Like reading the, reading the script, you find all the concern. You find all of the moments that you're like, ooh, what, ooh, what, what should I be doing, right? But then when you talk to someone like Leslie Odom, who will be helming this ship and also coming on as a producer, right? Then you start to have a conversation of what safety or what care looks like. You start to have a conversation of what divine ordinance looks like, right? Then you think about someone like Kenny Leon, who has been a, who's a venerated Broadway director, but also a venerated Broadway director in the particular space of revival. And, and how, he is, how he is in a very, very beautiful moment in his career, right? I think, I think if you think about Top Dog Underdog, and you think about, like, like he's been growing in, still in his venerated stage. He's been growing in his craft. And, what, and witnessing this as a moment for him to grow in his craft. And then, you also, and then you also think about, well, the mechanism of what we need as a society right now. And I will say Fat Ham, which was our first Broadway show that we did, um, that we were able to bring to, to Broadway through the public. We were co-producers on the original production at the Public Theater, and we were able to transfer it and be a co-producer on, on that as well. And what, I, and what I've learned in this moment, um, in this moment more so than ever, that if we are going to move past, the, 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 like I talked a little, bit, a little bit about it before, if we're going to move past the divisiveness, the binary, mm-hmm. we have to then begin to have a conversation about the human. And the best way that I know us to get past that is through laughter. That ham taught us that. That ham taught me that, right? In a room where people were, could have gone to so many different places, so many different destinations, could, could have been distracted by so many other things, for a moment in time, we carve out a space to be just I'm a curse, effing human, right? <laughs> and, if we are, and if we are human with each other, if we learn what to do that for 90 minutes, can we take that out in the streets? Can we be human in the streets? Can we do that? And with that difference, what does the world now look like? Who are the, besides ancestor Ossie Davis, yeah. who are the elders and the ancestors that are you Feel like speaking to you right now or have spoken to you oh, in oh, this oh, time. Oh, no, there's a list. There's work. a list. Yes. There's a list now. I there's like a to list hear now. I, like I mean, to hear I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> I want to bring up my grandmother. Um, my grandmother passed uh, maybe three, three uh, almost close to two to three years ago. And it's and um, it's because of my grandmother that I made my first film mm. that got an Emmy nomination. Oh. So that's how I got the Emmy nomination. Oh, that's amazing. 
So my grandmother, so my grandmother is, um, she, she's my champion, right? And her energy actually has cracked and opened so many vest, like, so many opportunities, like blowing my mind. Like, mm-hmm. like I like so why why I made the film? So I made the film as a salve during the during during the pandemic. It's called um, uh, the uh, the roots the road call the roots of strange fruit. It is a it is a I call it a sonic opera. It's broken up into three separate parts, and what it does is that it tracks um, it utilizes it tracks like the base of the trajectory of five hundred years four hundred years of slavery, and it looks at a auction block notice from the antebellum south. It takes a collection of fugitive notices about uh, I found about a hundred and fifty fugitive notices, strings them all together, and then it looks at find your family notices during Reconstruction, and basically you follow all of those through the voices of five to six actors under embodied by one singular dancer that basically takes you on the five the five hundred year journey and so um during the during at the last year of my of my um grandma and my dad's life on physically on this planet um they were both in the i c u and um I didn't have an outlet to like figure out what to do with that energy. And I was going back and forth to DC, trying to be a good grandson, be a good son in general. And um, James King at All Arts invited me to make my first film. And I was like, you know you, you know I don't make films. I do theater. I don't know what you thought I did, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't people who make films, I don't make no films, okay? I make theater. <laughs> it says National Black Theater, not National Black Film Way, okay? Um, so, 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 um, so, so we're in the process of, so the, he finally gets me to finally say yes to make this film. I'm in the process of making this film, and and throughout throughout it all, it becomes a salve, it becomes a distract, a lovely, healthy distraction from being having to go back and forth to the ICU. And the moment that I like I close the film, my grandmother passes away. So then I dedicate the film literally to my grandma. And like what's been so beautiful and why she's such a strong guiding force um, is that that film has opened up so many doors for me in ways that I can't even imagine. And it allows for me, and every single time as I'm in this huge, expansive moment in my life, it allows for me to ground myself back into my grandma's energy, her embrace, the way that she believed in me, she loved me, she held me. So that as all these things are happening around my whole universe, I get to go back to that simple gesture of love and grace. So I would say those two. As you were talking about your grandmother, which, which is, you know, got me right here thinking about my own grandmother, I frequently think about this quote that says, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams, right? And I can imagine many ways that what you're doing right now makes your grandmother very proud, right? The other side of that is you're also doing things right now that you are this leader that you wanted to have when you were younger, right? Yes, that's right. So can, can you say a little bit about, you know, maybe what is a leader you want to impart to younger people? I mean, the leader that I want to impart to younger people, if there's anything that I, that I get to impart, is that hopefully um, I showed how you can be profoundly... Um, be, have profound success, but be also also inside of that profoundly kind. Mm-hmm. Like self-care club. Yeah. Yes. Like care can be a part of success. Yeah. We don't have to be we don't have to be so ruthless yeah. in order for success to show up. Um, and we don't have to be catty in order for success to show up. Yes. And we don't have to be um, we don't have to be di- diabolically strategic. There is strategy, 
but you don't have to be diabolically strategic in order for success Ooh, to show up. Please speak so on it. So you want to preach today. And so, Say more. <laughs> Say more. I mean, I mean, I'm just, for the people I, in the back. I hope I hope, and not say I'm I'm a human. I, there are moments, probably someone, probably after me saying that, I'm gonna tell you when <laughs> you done done that to me, okay? Because I'm human, right? I am human, but I also in the same in the same sentence of that reality of me being human, I also desire with a deep desire that I am able to show folks that care, compassion, thoughtful thoughtful integration within community and outside of community, a love for your culture, a love for who you are and where you came from, can be the elixir to actually take you to the top and make it be sustained. And it's not a moment that you get to, and that you don't have to capitalize off of who you are. You get to be who you are, and the capital shows up. Well, I'm curious. <laughs> on those days when you are dealing with people who do not subscribe to that Come on philosophy, now. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the things that you do? I know you, you mentioned meditation, um, but to take care of yourself that give you inspiration to keep going on those days that you want to just pull the covers over your head and not deal and not go forward. How do you how do you find the inspiration to move forward? Well, I mean, I, 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 there are a couple of ways. One is that I carry people with me. So, like my grandmother's bracelets on me, my great aunt's rings I have on. I have my godmother's mother's uh, prayer scarf around me. I'm very like I have high intentionality. I'm wearing a shirt that says self care club. Right? It tells me what I need to be doing. I need to hydrate. I need to like it says on the box. So like so like I I, I surround myself intentionally when I'm out in the world with mechanisms that help me to actually create the met the matrix to uh, my own sense of abundance. Um, so I think that's one. Um, two, I try to run my own race. Um, I, see, I seek not to be in concert with anyone else's race. Um, Sade and I's uh, mascot is the turtle um, because we want, even though it might feel like we're going really fast right now, we are trying to, we, that, it wasn't always like that. It was, this is high intentionality. It's almost like the Beyonce effect. Like Beyonce is multiple, almost 33 years in the making, right? And like we don't see the other the other twenty years, we only see the last ten, and we're just like, oh, she has made it. But like there was a lot of sacrifice that came in order for her to have the abundance that she's now riding in. Um, so I try to run my own race and try to really focus on the turtle, not the hare. Um, I will say I will say what I also seek to do. Um, so clo- so what I wear is part of it. Um, running my own race, and I will say I will say lastly. Um, I'm a I'm a huge plant dad, so I have about <laughs> 78 plants oh my God. Wow. Um, that I tend for and that I take care of. And a part of that, what that does, is that it reminds me how to how to take how to create care mechanisms without words. How someone speaks, how something speaks to me without words. How I need to create the opportunity for language not to be words to be the only way language is actually articulated, and how I need to expand myself to truly be able to listen from a different space. And I think through all of that listening, like all of that space of becoming, I then begin to have a care mechanism or a way to stay grounded because this is a fully dangerous world. Yes, it's dangerous. It's dangerous because. 
like, like you know, it's dangerous. There's too much. There's too much distraction actually housed in how this world is constructed. However, it's also a beautifully abundant world at that as well. Mm-hmm. And for those of us, and if we can figure out our unique way to address it, then I think we can. We could then start to unlock all those majestical things that are for us. Like I, I hope. I hope that that's what I get to do. I guess this to do what's for me, and I don't always have to do what's for somebody else. I think that's an important thing for everybody to hear, um, except for the part about plants, because I'm married to a horticulturist, and <laughs> we're not going to let him hear that part. <laughs> I mean, for me, it brings up a question of, like, we, there's so much we can do for ourselves, for our self-care, to build ourselves up, to be in the spaces we want to be in, but also community care is so important. And so one of my questions is, what do you feel like is needed right now in the industry, in the arts community to support creators like you, to support black theater artists? <laughs> I know it's a big question. You're like, let me get out the list. Oh, come on but- yeah. <laughs> I was just working on this this morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, mean, I mean, if I was, if I was to think about um, what, are, what are the things... I think listen for not the answer, but for, the, but for, for what, what the request is. Actually, like, I think sometimes we listen just thinking, going directly to the answer. But sometimes it's not about the answer, it's the process too. And sometimes it's about creating the mechanism for someone to be heard and witnessed. And I think that, I think that a, lot of, I think a lot of black administrators and a black artists, they need to be witnessed. And through that witnessing, then find out what their solution is. But I think so many people want to go with, with already, it's always hydroperoxide. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it just needs the air. Sometimes it's about actually pulling out something so that it doesn't have pus underneath it. Like, you know what I mean? It's not always, the, the salve that you know is not always the salve that is needed. And so, and so I think, I think being, being courageous enough, and I think everyone, I would lean to everyone being courageous, even if you are of melanated descent, but whoever you're talking to, be courageous enough to listen, not for the answer, but for the process too. Um, I would say, I, I, I would say learn, I think what also is necessary for, for uh, melanated artists in this moment in time in particular is fi- figuring out how labor is not your responsibility. Wait, say that again? How labor is not your responsibility. Oh my. I think I think I think I think I think a lot of I think a lot of uh, black artists, especially after the pandemic, in the midst of the pandemic and during the shutdown, um, were really grappled with uh, what do how do I define myself because my definition has been built on this country by labor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then what happens when I divorce myself of that labor? Who am I? And the I am of who I am. What? Who do I? Who do? Who? What? 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 Where's my value now? Mm-hmm. If I cannot labor in this moment, our ancestors tilled this. Or we, our DNA, our blood memory is coursed with history, language, and knowledge of labor as part of our existence. And so then what happens when you start to divorce yourself of that labor? Who do you get to become? Where do you get to go? What does rest look like as part of the part of restoration, right? Or like you think about the nap ministry, right? She says do yes. nothing. Yes. Do nothing. Sit Love in, her. Like, like, don't do a dance. Don't do anything whatsoever, and just allow for it just to come through your body, right? Then the next thing I would say that that I think a black artist. So I talked about labor. I talked about oh yes, is this? I think this is really really important. <laughs> it is grief. Mm-hmm. We are grieving. Yeah. 
The world we knew was no longer. And we all, as a society, haven't come into relationship to that grief. The lights were turned on and we said, go. Make something, do something, create something, create programs, make, uh, uh, act like COVID ain't alive, ain't real. Mm-hmm. Act, like, act like the economics ain't real and you are yep. not broke, you're really rich. Go make something happen, make reality happen, da 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 da, all those things. Shut down, shut, you were shut down a quick second of a, a blimp of a moment. You saw millions of people die. You were a part of a civic unrest that actually labored your body to actually fight for your existence. And then in the blink of an eye, you also said, go back to the energy that you once had because capitalism needs to be a part of this conversation. Preach. Mm, yes. And in a blink of an eye, you are not given a restoration, a reclamation with your grief. You were told your grief is not real. You were told you needed to be something else and you need to show up because you have to what? Make that guap. Because I'm no longer going to make sure that you are actually restored. I'm going to make sure that you are a vessel for my capitalistic tool. So I, I, think, I think that artists in general, people in general, need to have a conversation with their grief and create their own restorative salve to that, their own benchmark to that, because society will not create it, but you can. You can be in relationship with it. I say, I mean, I always say, I, I've been saying, I, I'll say this, I've said this ever since my dear, dear friend, Christine Jean Chambers passed away, um, and I came into relationship to the intimate vibration of grief in a real harsh way. Um, I am a recovering, <laughs> I like grief, like I, I, I like a grief, like like I, you, I don't think you ever, whenever you really, whenever you come in relationship to that kind of grief, I don't think you ever get over it. You're just always, and you're always recovering from it, and the reco- and me acknowledging my recovery from it allows for me to be as human as possible with you right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Allows for me to actually be a vessel. Allows for me to say, do that thing that I said I was trying to do with Dr. Barbara Antier and be a clear enough vessel to be a tool, a tool for my ancestors' wildest dreams to show up. In, in real time. And I don't think that we as society have given us enough space, we as individuals have given ourselves enough space to actually acknowledge grief as part of the medicine we have to address. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Yes. Thank you so much. That was Thank a you. word. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I really, really want to um, keep having this conversation yeah, 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 yeah. because you are incredible. <laughs> we are going to have to have you on the show again. But oh, unfortunately, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. unfortunately, we only have a few minutes left. I did my job. Yes. <laughs> and you're going to have to do it again because there's going to be a part two. <laughs> Hello classmates, it's Emil here again to bring you the morning announcements. I'm a violinist and a performer with a passion for collaboration, and I'm here to encourage you to go experience art. This is a short list of events and experiences, both live and virtual, that we think are cool and maybe you should check out. If you're turned on by this week's conversations and you're inspired to seek out some new live theater, here are a few suggestions from art class. The Juilliard Opera presents Francesco Cavalli's Eris Mena. The opera Eris Mena was first performed in Venice in 1655 and was the first Italian opera ever translated into English and performed in England in 1674. The production is put on by the Juilliard Opera Company and takes place at the Rosemary and Meredith Wilson Theatre 
on the Juilliard campus on February 25th at 2 p.m. It will also be live streamed, so you can tune in live from all over the world to watch the magic of opera. This one's for our Chicago listeners. Get ready. Living All Alone, a musical about the rise of Phyllis Hyman, an artist and singer whose personal challenges were as great as her artistry. Critics have said even the most critical theater goer will be fed and satisfied by this new production. The story of the beautiful yet tortured soul recounts a life of creativity, accomplishments, and personal success, tainted by terrible circumstances that would lead to her premature death. This is a touring production and will be in Chicago February 24th for two performances. The show then moves to Washington, D.C. in early March and then Atlanta on March 16th with more cities yet to be announced. Lastly, if you're in the mood for a little self-care, might I suggest staying home and watching theater online. This modern age has provided us with the ability to stream almost anything, and that includes live theater. The National Theater of London has a library of hundreds of acclaimed theater productions available online wherever and whenever you need a moment of self-care. You can watch world-renowned theater from the comfort of your couch. With new plays added every month, you can stream brand new productions straight from the current National Theater stages or delve into the treasure trove of classics from their archive. All recordings are captioned with optional subtitles and many offer audio description, plus a selection of videos offer a British sign language option as well. If you'd like more information on any of the events I've highlighted, check out the links in the show notes and I'll be back next time with more cool live art for you to experience. Bye friends. And we're back for today's career day. We have a very special guest with us today. Guest, what is your name? Jennifer Lisette Lopez. Oh, catchy. Where are you located? I'm originally from New York, raised and educated, but I'm currently based in Madrid, Spain. I primarily work here in Europe, but do work remotely, which allows me to have quite a few international clients. And what is your current job? I fancy myself a Renaissance woman, <laughs> so I'm actually primarily a choreographer and dance educator that teaches classes and facilitates lots of different events, but I'm also working regularly as a voiceover artist and makeup artist. I'm also a mom of two, a pleasure activist, and a community builder. And what does a Renaissance woman do? Well, as a choreographer, overall, I teach people how to feel shamelessly good in their bodies and connect with, their, with others through dance. I teach in-person classes as well as classes online, group classes that are open to all as well as private lessons, dance classes for couples, especially first dances for weddings, as well as fun bachelorette party dance classes. I also create choreography and direct movement for music videos and theater, as well as facilitate dance activities for corporate events. How did you first learn that this line of work even existed? Well, when I was a kid, I watched a lot of MTV. I was pretty much obsessed with it, especially with Janet Jackson's music videos. One day I was watching Paula Abdul's straight up music video and my dad walked in the living room and said, you know that she's Janet's choreographer, right? And I said, what's a choreographer? <laughs> and he explained that Paula was the dancer that made up some of Janet's dance routines for her videos. I was first confused because I assumed that all singers made up their own moves or that all the artists and dancers just spontaneously synchronize their move movements like that in the videos. So for me, it was a pretty, pretty cool moment, pretty, a pretty big aha moment. 
And how did you train for it and for how long? Well, to be clear, I didn't specifically train to be a choreographer or even a voiceover artist, but growing up in a household where my mother was an elementary school music teacher and and with an Afro-Latino father who loved music and dancing, I was constantly exposed to all the performing arts. So our house was always filled with all kinds of music from Beethoven to boys to men. Uh, I sang in the choir, played the French horn, did theater and took dance classes all throughout my childhood and well into college. In high school, I even had the opportunity to perform small roles at the Glimmerglass Opera, which was located in a small town just over from where I grew up. I'd say all in all, I had formal training and experience since about the age of five until I was 22, I guess. And I haven't ever really stopped training, honestly. I'm still learning. So what did you study in school and did it prepare you for this line of work in any way? Well, if you mean what did I study in school, like what did I get my major in? I actually got my major in French and oh. romance philology. Yeah. Oh. Um, and that didn't really prepare me to be a choreographer as such, but it did prepare me to be able to live and work internationally. And it also gave me a wider global perspective, which definitely helped me, especially on the personal growth front. But again, I never specifically took classes to train to be choreographer or voiceover artist. I just sort of did it. I started making up dance routines when I was probably about eight, I think. And in college, I took tons of dance classes of every different style you can imagine and choreographed with the Columbia Musical and Theater Society and Orcasis, as you might recall, nope. which, de <laughs> which definitely helped prepare me for this, this line of work. Fascinating. What advice would you give others who might want to go into this line of work one day? Usually this line of work calls to people in a very direct way, meaning you sort of just know that you have to do it. Like you don't really have a choice. And it's certainly not the easiest line of work to get into, but it's not impossible. My advice would be to be ready to hustle. Don't give up, keep showing up and working hard and make sure you have a strong and consistent self-care routine. And make sure you have several different streams of income, one of which doesn't rely on your body in case you get injured. Hmm. How do you practice self-care? That is such an important question. Um, I practice my daily self-care in six different ways. I know it's crazy, but it's so, so important. Number one, good nutrition. Number two, daily exercise or intentional movement that's not related to my job for at least 30 minutes every day. Three, I meditate twice a day. Four, I get enough sleep. Five, and this is really important, I practice gratitude and usually in the form of journaling, but I also have a lot of different ways that, that I do that. And finally, six, and this is probably the most important, being part of a very supportive community of people who are aligned with all of our highest good as individuals, as well as the world at large. Hmm. I don't do any of those. I think I'll start doing all of those. <laughs> is there someone in this line of work whose career you admired as a kid or as an adult? Well, as a kid, except for Paul Abdul and maybe Fred Astaire, I didn't really hear that many names of choreographers, honestly. In high school, my jazz teacher introduced us to Bob Fosse. As an adult working in this field, I can absolutely name some of my favorite choreographers like Tina Landon, Jacquel Knight, Shea Latukolan, Kyle Hanagami, and Paris Goebel, to name a few. What misconceptions do people have about this line of work? Well, there are a couple of them. Um, the first one is probably that people think that all choreographer, choreographers and dancers do all day is just dance all day long. <laughs> um, but the fact is we do a lot of admin and all of our own marketing or much of our own marketing and communication. The vast majority of our clocked working hours is outside of the studio. Huh. 
Another one is that to be a choreographer, you have to have started with a long career as a professional dancer with tons of training behind you, um, formal training that is, and then maybe you can become a choreographer. The fact is that you can start choreographing right out the gate without even ever having formal training. I certainly did. Huh, fascinating. Looks like I'll be going on tour with Beyonce. Hell yeah. Have you any <laughs> upcoming projects to plug? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, this summer, you'll find me back in New York City at Lincoln Center, where I'll be hosting some events in the Summer for the City program called the Choreographing the Future Dance Education Series. Um, apart from that, if you're looking for someone to make all your dancing dreams come true, or <laughs> if you want to have a killer voiceover artist for your project, you can find me in Madrid or certainly reach out to me if you'd like to work with me online. My website is www.jenniferlisetlopez.com and my handle on Instagram is jenniferlisetlopezdance. Fantastic. And before you go, please answer this last question. Why should your line of work not be replaced by AI? Oh boy. Well, <laughs> I don't believe that AI can or should completely replace any line of work, especially when it comes to the arts. Fundamentally, art is the way that we humans express and communicate our emotions to one another. When AI attempts to create art, it loses something extremely important, emotion, human nuances, and soul. For example, if you've ever heard an AI-generated voiceover, you know exactly what I mean. Even a halfway decent one sounds just plain wrong, and it, they're actually really deeply disturbing to listen to. And since we're the only species on this planet that creates art in our very specific way, I would argue that art is actually what makes us uniquely human. Mm -hmm. Well, you heard that robots stay out of our way. Thank <laughs> you so much for being with us today, Jennifer Lucette. Thank Lopez. you. All right, we'll be right back after this break. And we are back. And it is time for our very favorite part of the show. It is time for Pure Black Joy. PBJ, a little snack for your soul to get you through the rest of the week. Uh, this is where we shout out the Black people, places, things, ideas, food, music, culture, all of the things um, that are Black and that are making us happy this week. So who wants to go first? I'm happy to go first. Please um, do it. My Pure Black Joy is that I am in the midst of my first Mardi Gras as a New Orleans resident. Amazing. Yes. So jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it is already going fabulously. You know, went to my first second line, went to my first parade. There are others on the schedule. It is... If you've never been here for Mardi Gras during Mardi Gras season, you need to understand, first of all, that it is a season. It's not just <laughs> the day. This is this has been going on for weeks already. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just in the midst of curating my schedule. I'm trying to catch the blackest parades. I'm trying to catch Zulu. Maybe I'll even get up at 5 a.m. and watch the crew of Skull and Bones wake up everybody for Mardi Gras day. Uh, definitely trying to see some black masking Indians for sure. Oh, I'm I'm yes. trying to do it all, so I'm very very excited. <laughs> ah, that sounds amazing. Someday, someday I want to get yeah. down there and experience that because ah, it just looks like so much fun. 
<laughs> so much fun. And little thing to add is that it's so important for me to see the black Mardi Gras mm. because black folks were not always allowed at the big mm-hmm. Mardi Gras mm-hmm. with the white mm-hmm. folks. So I'm going to go see what fabulous Mardi Gras traditions black folks created <laughs> anyway, because I know it's lit. It might be more fun than the other stuff. Who knows? <laughs> I'm going to say likely. <laughs> I mean, not to be rude, but like. Right. I don't want to be rude because I just got here. But <laughs> there are certain assumptions that I'm going to go ahead and make. <laughs> Um, mine's very quick. I'm still on Jay-Z's speech at the Grammys. I have been side-eyeing that man since before Lemonade. Um, (laughs) 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 however, uh, I'm shocked that we have made it three episodes into this podcast without talking about our queen, Beyonce, (laughs) Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter. For those of you who have some respect, (laughs) please go back and listen to episodes of The Score where we talk about Renaissance and any number of other things. Um, We love her so much. And of course, Jay-Z also loves her. And so thank you for standing up there (laughs) and saying the truth. And also for shouting out some of the people who perhaps do not belong in their categories. And then the Grammys went ahead and proved his point right away. (laughs) 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 And the less said about that, the better, because I do not want to get into an AOA debris uh, situation (laughs) someday when we have some of these people on our show. Well, my good news is also Grammy related and is also short. Uh, I was super happy with a lot of the wins, best comedy album notwithstanding, Mm. but definitely wanted to shout out a couple of friends of the show, Julia Bullock, Latanya Moore, uh, and Jesse Montgomery, although Jesse may not know that she's a friend of the show, she certainly is. Super excited (laughs) to see um, those wins and was just generally excited to see that there was a a lot of love for Black women artists last night, keeping Mm -hmm. the good energy of the Emmys going. Let's see Oscars, if y'all are going to play nicely this year. More on that in about a month. Mm. 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 We'll see. see. I'm already mad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously, I did not see the color purple, but (laughs) I support. (laughs) So I already know that it's already some mess. Um, And also, I'm just going to go ahead and say justice for SZA. And we've got our episode title. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> We're going to get some clicks. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, whew, I'm exhausted, y'all. That was, yeah. that was a lot. <laughs> we, did it. we did it this morning. We did it. We did it. <laughs> um, but thank you all so much for joining us once again. Um, it's such a joy to be able to do this show and to connect with all of you. And I'm curious, you know, 
if there, you know, going back to our earlier conversation about self-care, are there any self-care practices, community practices that we can share with our little communities? So, Ooh. you know, why don't you reach out to us at artclasspod at gmail.com and we just might read some of your suggestions on the air because it's such an important topic. And um, I also was thinking I made a little joke about my thoughty pictures on Instagram, but <laughs> is it a joke? <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to, if you want to follow us, um, I think that would be great, you know, get to know us a little bit better. So I'm at Rocky mm -hmm. Jones Picture Show and Lee. Everybody underscore loves underscore Lee. And don't worry, Mom, I've got all my clothes on on social media. I have all my clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is at Cradle and Cowrie, which is the name of my birth work, you know, universe. Uh, but you'll also hear about abolition and about black spiritual things so you know if you like that and orishas and babies and abolition <laughs> then follow me <laughs> and i should also say it's not just gym pictures of me it's also occasionally a deep thought and cute pictures of my cat <laughs> that's why i'm really there it's the cat <laughs> well, she is she is very pretty <laughs> um yeah so that's our show uh thanks so much for joining us once again and uh we will be back in two weeks any words of wisdom before we go y'all uh vote register to vote yes i should say that every single episode register to vote and then vote yeah yeah we should we should have like like at the end of rupaul's drag race the little signs yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes register to vote please and uh justice for scissor <laughs> <laughs> all right that's it bye class is bye. dismissed Thank you so much for checking out Lincoln Center's art class. The show is hosted by Lee Bynum, Paige Reynolds, a.k.a. Mabole Inawale, and me, Rocky Jones. The show is produced and edited by yours truly. Our artwork is by Patricia Sanchez Navarro. And our music is Dope Skeletons by Frequently Asked Music. If you enjoyed what you heard, you can really help us out by telling all of your people about the show subscribing on your podcast platform of choice, and yes, leaving us a positive review wherever you're listening, but especially on Apple Podcasts. It's a small act, but it really, really helps us out, and we just might read your review on air. If you'd like to learn more about the show, please visit the Art Class page at lincolncenter.org, follow all of Lincoln Center's various social media profiles, and feel free to reach out to us anytime at artclasspod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time, and until then, class is dismissed. Dismissed.